Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's time. Time for your weekly appointment with the only man who could host a four-hour Saturday tour de force of sports talk on CBS Sports Radio. Why? Why did we select this man to undertake this Herculean task? Because, well, his name is on the marquee. Here he is, Robin Lundberg. Coming to you live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Want to see your loan options, adjust payments, and closing costs online in real time? Rocket can. Um, you know, before the, the break, I, I, I had not planned exactly to get into what I, I did get into there. I just wanted to uh, actually piggyback off that for a second. And, and again, uh, it was a reaction to something a caller had said about athletes speaking up on, on issues. And, um, <laughs> you know, what what you say does matter, right? And and when you have a, a platform that is, that is very powerful, um, you can see how it can become something. I mean, Tom Brady again can put an Instagram story out that just says "dumb" about an NFL rule change, and that's a story immediately. You know, a real story, not just an Instagram story. Uh, and there was a caller earlier in the show who had said, you know, Brady doesn't talk about real issues, and and I don't think that's a fair critique in this instance because he was speaking about something that's germane to his sport and his profession. And athletes in, in general, you know, I, I think deserve to be commended when they, they do use their platform. But not everybody has to do that as well. Um, and, and then, I, you know, I, I talked about LeBron for a second, and he had the, the tweet that he deleted um, about the officer who was involved in a, in a shooting um, but uh, that said – your next accountability and, and that became its own story because he deleted the tweet and because in that moment I, I think he probably put it out a little emotionally uh right around the Derek Chauvin trial and because of everything he's seen and, and you understand where that raw emotion comes from but in that case it, it wasn't you know as cut and dry an incident as we've seen in the past it was a, a more complicated matter and, and accountability is something a lot of people have been asking for Right. Um, in some of these cases where we've seen police b- brutality killings. Um, but in, in that instance, there was, you know, a, a knife involved and, and it wasn't just, you know, it, it, the, the same. It wasn't a Derek Chauvin incident. Um, I, I mean, hardly anything it is. And it just goes to show you, like, 
you know, how, how powerful the, some of those platforms can be, but then also I think how toxic some of the, the reactions can be. And, and you see people take that and then try to use that to hijack the entire conversation. Uh, and, and that is, is beholden of an agenda to me. And, and I just want to, you know, having spent the last couple of weeks off and not involved in the day-to-day, you, you can sort of see, you know, from afar when you're not participating in it, just how much, you know, there's a, a, a discourse that happens online that can be, you know, uh, stressful and, and, and harmful day-to-day, just people fighting and arguing and, or controversy every single day. And, and I, I, I realize, like, in the pandemic, people have, have lived there online, you know, all day. You're, you're at a computer. You're on a screen, whether it's a phone or, or your, your laptop or, or what have you. And being away from it for a second, and, and there was a, a week or so there where I just I tried to completely unplug, you realize, you know, online is not real life, right? Like, you, you can go outside and, and, and talk to somebody or, or interact with somebody, and, and you're not talking about any of the stuff that, that it could be a furious controversy online. Now, there are certain things that deserve to be, and then there are other things that are much more trivial on, on, a, on a day-to-day basis. And so I, do, I just want to take a, a second to, you know, wish everybody, hope everybody's doing all right, right? Because you see a lot of people are tired. A lot of people are mentally frustrated. A, a lot of people are hurting, and you could just see it. It's apparent. So I, I just wanted to take a second to, to um, wish everybody out there, send good vibes everybody's way, and, and hope everybody out there is doing all right. 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227. Let's go to Spike in St. Petersburg. Spike, you're up next on, on the show. What's going on, man? Well, hello. Congratulations, first of all. I'm uh, really happy for you and, 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 and the kids and your wife. I'm glad everybody's doing well. Very proud of you. Really proud of your career. Just a grounded person with great social insights. And I've always uh, respected that. Uh, one quick comment, and you always pique my interest. So uh, LeBron has uh, what he's uh, earned and taken by, uh, you know, uh, his position and the platform he has, uh, you know, almost all of it is very positive stuff. So they jumped, uh, jumped it a little quick here without looking at it. And that's okay. You know, uh, he's going to, you know, it's like the Jordan LeBron argument. He can't win all arguments, but he's a good soul and he's done more good than bad. And uh, he should have waited a little while. That's okay. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that, that you're right. Spike. That, that should be the takeaway, right? Like, you understand. You can understand where his emotion got caught up, Absolutely. and you can say that's one he shouldn't have sent in the moment, and he deleted it. And then we could you could say that and move on. It doesn't have to be something more than that, right? Like that. Right. I, I guess is what I would. And, and, and then to take that and make that the story, hijack that and make that the story. I think sort of shows where your intentions and your motives were, because you're you're not talking about what the the actual story was before that tweet went out, right? Yeah, I'll give you a real, I want to get to sports in a second, but I'll give you a perfect example. My kid's a police officer uh, in Jersey, and uh, he saw it, and he said, that'll come down. He, he loves LeBron. Awesome. And uh, what he does for the kids and the colleges, I said, let it breathe. This is the world we live in. He'll learn from this, too, you know? I mean, he'll learn from it, too. It's okay. It's okay. Let's move on. Unfortunately, clicks for what the world's about. So let me get to I told Anthony when I called. I want one comment on DeGrom. This is, um, I guess, uh, Picasso or Rembrandt or Mozart 
uh, uh, Koufax to me, because uh, I saw both of them actually went to high school a little after Koufax uh, and um, watched them sit on the bench. And then my team moved out of where I lived in Brooklyn and I hated Dodgers ever since. as an impressionable eight-year-old, you know. But he's pitching at a Koufax level right now and his arm probably has a middle room more life in it. And it's brilliant to watch. It's just brilliant. It's like watching LeBron. It's brilliant to watch. So I want to get to the basketball because it's you and you know, how I feel about you at Hoops. This season is going to be extremely interesting. Unfortunately, and I say that with a caveat, it's going to be based on health, uh, which it always is in theory, but uh, in reality, rather. I, 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 the Brooklyn, look, you know how I'm, you must know how I feel about the Knicks. And uh, Anthony said, why didn't they bring Tibbs back first? I said, because they brought in Phil Jackson and made an egregious mistake and set him back. And I, I spoke to Mike Woodson. I've known him for 41 years this week. Uh, when he was a rookie with Red in the second tenure, I sat behind him. Don't fall off your chair if you're, if you're sitting. I think it was $10. I sat right behind him, <laughs> behind him at bench when he came up. And I think it was 80, 81, if my memory serves me right. And I'm very friends with Woody. And uh, I, I, he, you know, he asked me, he was just a casual friend, but you get a chance to go back to the alma mater, you got to take it. But he told me at the beginning of the year, he says, this is a good bunch and Tibbs is so organized, and he's going to get them to play defense. And I said, that's great. And I'm watching, like, most of the East Coast New York Knicks fans are world fans are watching. They're just playing hard, man. They're not going to beat the top three teams. We all know the numbers. But no one's going to want to play them because they're going to make you work. Even the switching, it's just, just refreshing to watch with a dearth of talent. I rated them. I said, I'm going to ask Lombardi. He'll give me his answer. I made them maybe the third worst roster talent-wise in the NBA. Am I close? Yeah, no, the gap between where the Knicks are and what I thought they would be is enormous, right? Like, I, I mean... It's a chasm. Go, yeah, going into the season, I'm thinking 20-something win team. Yeah, uh, me too. You know, something like that. And, and they have played... Uh, I mean, I would give Tom Thibodeau coach of the year, no question. I would give Julius Randle most improved player, no question. Uh, you know, the, the step he's taken this year... To, enormous. I mean, it's, it's stunning. I, I, you know, I was not a fan of his game being. Even was I. You know, uh, I wasn't. Yeah. So I, I think you know when when fans get uh, when they start talking about are they contenders and winning the conference, that's when you get a little too big for your britches and whatnot. This should be looked at. I think I by have a rational a, fan as yeah. a, a hopefully a a bridge, right? Like hopefully, all right, this is the beginning of being seen and viewed as a, a more respectable franchise that can then lead to bigger and better things. Yeah, I'll leave you with this, because a friend of mine, and you can see, you know what, Knicks have needed a point guard since Mark Jackson, for God's sakes. You know, as you always said, Charlie Ward's the only one they resigned, and he was a football player. <laughs> Here's what the Knicks need, but they won't take it. I, I, I'm a huge Damian Lewis fan. Just his whole life, every time, I just love everything about that guy. But he can't play for Thibodeau. The same reason Kyrie couldn't play for Thibodeau. You gotta play defense, and if you don't, and I understand that, and I respect that. Defense in in the '90s was prevalent, and you could get away with a lot of stuff. But uh, but Damian Lillard did the big contract. They're going nowhere in the West. And and I, I cheated a little. One last thing. I think if the Lakers, everyone healthy, put everyone healthy on the table, and all three guys in Brooklyn, because if they're all healthy, that's that's going down. There's no question in my mind. Knowing basketball like I do, and you do, and I'm sure you agree. Everyone healthy. That's the matchup. I think the defensive prowess of Anthony Davis and LeBron 
will somehow shut down Brooklyn where they can't win more than three games in a seven-game series. So I'm going to wait till you roll that around and listen to your answer. And congratulations again and good health for everybody. Thank you. Uh, I mean, I, I agree that on paper, if healthy, those are the, the, the two best teams uh, in the NBA. I think the Clippers are, are interesting since Rondo got there. He, um, the, the Suns have played very well. Um, I, I, I don't, I'm not a believer in the Jazz in the playoffs. Unfortunately, the Jamal Murray injury, I think, sort of takes Denver out. In the East, obviously, there's those three teams and everybody else. Um, but Brooklyn is still, I, I know, you know, we try to make things interesting as the, the season goes along. Brooklyn is still the favorite. I mean, uh, injuries uh, obviously have affected them, but they're the number one seed in the East. Uh, even down two stars, they still have one. And, and they should be getting Kevin Durant and uh, James Harden back. I think if all those guys are on the floor, they may just be too talented for anybody because I'm a little concerned about LeBron's injury. Um, but we have to see where, where LeBron comes back and, and, and how healthy he is when when he actually gets back there out on the floor. I, I want to address a, a tweet I, I just saw um, come in for a second because it, it's an interesting one. Back to the what you were talking about with LeBron, Spike. Um Buddy Bad 143 tweets in, Robin, I agree any athlete should have the ability to speak their opinions, but take Drew Brees, for instance. Look what happened to him. If we disagree with the left, they assault you, get you fired, and, and go to your house as a mob. That's your political party doing that, not mine. Well, first of all, I, um, I don't identify myself by a political party. It's just not how I roll. I, you know, Do I belong to one for voting purposes? Sure. But do, do I sit around and, and think of things in terms of what political party I belong to? No. I'm a human being. I'm an individual. I have my own thoughts and opinions, and and I form them um, not based on other people. The the Drew, I mean, and I agree with the fundamental statement there. Like I said, I I think you know people are should be free to express their opinion or not. <laughs> you know that that's their their choice. Um, that does not mean your opinion cannot be criticized. I mean, LeBron, for instance, sending that tweet. I mean, he's criticized plenty, and I think. That should be chalked up as a mistake, and hence why you know it was deleted. He said it deleted because it was causing more hate. But I think there was something he sent in an emotional moment, and the guy has an exemplary track record when it comes to to doing good and, and speaking up for the right things and, and actually walking the walk. Right, like I've worked with the school that he helped launch. I've worked with that school, and you see it firsthand. So. It's okay to go, all right, he made a mistake, and, and move on. Um, you, you know what the intent was there. Drew Brees' case, you know, that was a – it wasn't what Drew Brees said. I don't think – I think that's something people have to understand. It wasn't what Drew Brees said that got people upset. It was how he said it and when he said it. You know, that was fresh off of what we had seen happen to George Floyd. And when you're you're – talking about the national anthem and standing up and you know the the protests around the national anthem were began due to police brutality and equality and everything so right after you see George Floyd and, and that tragedy happen in front of our face for the world to see the first time you're asked that question when you say it in such a uh almost like defiant manner people didn't have a problem with the substance of what Drew Brees said in that moment. They had a problem with the lack of empathy with what Drew Brees said in that moment. Because he is perfectly entitled to feel that way. 
and I've said about like the the national anthem. I, I'm not doing that anymore. Like you're not getting anywhere arguing about that. If you want to stand with your hand on your chest at, at attention with pride, do you? If you want to kneel, do you? If you want to do neither, do you? That's cool. We should all be able to express ourselves the way we feel, and and we should all be accepting of how others feel about it. It was the the problem that the reaction that Drew Brees got is because it was fresh off of that moment. And then right then, that's the tone you take. That's the way you say it. And that's why, you know, and for everybody who's, you know, criticized the reaction Drew Brees got, Drew Brees, I, I, I hope, you know, he's the kind of guy people say he is. And, and he, he took that to heart, both from his teammates and, and in the, the reaction he took after the fact. So I I, I I don't think, you know, Drew Brees was not criticized for saying what he said. Drew Brees um, was criticized because in that moment of raw emotion where people were experiencing real hurt, those were the words that first came out of his mouth. That was that was the, the, the issue that people took with that in that moment. All right, we, we talked about a transcendent performance in baseball, Jacob deGrom. And I'm curious whether that has gone beyond a regional story and has become a national story at 855-212-4227, 855-212-4227 at Robin Lundberg on Twitter. But we're also in the midst of a transcendent performance of late in the NBA. Coming from a player who, you know, in many ways <laughs> has changed the way the sport is actually played. We'll get to that coming up as well. It's the Robin Lundberg Show, and it's here with you on CBS Sports Radio. It's the Robin Lundberg Show on CBS Sports Radio. Robert Thompson tweets in, I've had a cat and dogs. They're both totally cool with me. They just have different personalities. Cheetahs are my favorite big cat. I absolutely love them. Uh, yes, I, I, I too like both cats and dogs. I um, have no uh, ill will toward either creature. Though I, I do have a phobia of dogs. Um, I, ha- I have to admit that. My, my, my biggest fear is probably dogs. If you're telling me, like, what's your biggest phobia, it's probably dogs. Um, I don't know why. Can't really expect. I, I guess my best origin story is that there was... Um, but I was already afraid of this dog before this happened, so it's not really an origin story. I think it's just how I'm, I'm wired. But I, I grew up um, in in Southern Maryland. I was living in Southern Maryland, and our I, I would ride my bike everywhere, right? And, and we lived at the bottom of this hill. And at the top of the hill was this collie, which would just run around barking at you ferociously. And, you know, I really shouldn't be scared of a collie. But midway through the hill was uh, this German shepherd, big German shepherd who would also ferociously bark and, and I, I think had good reason to be a little peeved at the, the neighborhood kids because they would like throw stuff at, at this dog. And I never did that. But every time I would, would go past these houses, I would first pick up speed on my bicycle to get past the collie. Um, and then I would hit the, the hill with as much speed as possible so that when I passed the German Shepherd, he was behind an electric fence. The collie was behind a real fence. The German Shepherd was behind an electric fence, which is always more fearsome because there's no actual barrier you see there between you and the animal. 
and and I would pick up my speed and I would hit that hill and go as fast as I could for to almost like straight line into my house into my garage in case he chased after me. One day, I'm walking by and the owner of the German Shepherd, you know, noticed my apprehension and asked if I wanted to go pet the dog. So I went over to to be a good sport about it, went to pet it, and it snapped in my hand. Snapped in my hand. Um. And, and I don't know. I'm, I am afraid of dogs, but I don't dislike dogs. There's a difference. Like if I get to know them, and I'm comfortable with them, cool. Uh, cats, I, I I find cats to just be fascinating. I'm not as fascinated by dogs as I am by cats. I'm fascinated by cats because they're just crazy to watch, and that's mostly from watching big cats. But when you see a, a domestic house cat, they move the same way that a big cat does. And I've watched like lots of programs on on big cats. Uh, uh, the Twitter had said cheetah was his favorite. I, I, I like the tiger and the jaguar myself. Solo hunters, you know, the tiger, the biggest and strongest of all cats, obviously the beautiful um, color scheme. And a, a jaguar, I mean, jaguars on pound for pound, they are monsters, man. They, you ever see a jaguar like dive into the water and take a croc out of the water? It's crazy. Cats, you, you, don't, you, you don't want to trifle with a cat. That's why um, the, the genesis of that conversation being NFL you know, draft uh, hopefuls being asked whether they'd rather be a dog or a cat. Anthony made a good point, producer of the show earlier. You could say a dog because you work better in a team concept, but I might answer cat because cat's like it. Like the apex predator on land is, is kind of a cat. So if, if you want to um, answer whether you'd rather be a dog or a cat, feel free at 855-212-4227, 855 before the break, I mentioned some transcendent performances. We already got into Jacob DeGrom out of Major League Baseball, and I was curious as to whether that has broken through as a national story yet or if it remains a regional story, just because baseball is such a regional sport. In, in a way, that helps baseball. You know, um, local sports talk talk a lot of baseball when national sports talk doesn't. Fans of the team, you know, watch the games, and there's so much programming. They can sell revenue, you know, advertising against that. But it doesn't always break through on the national level, which is okay. I'm curious if DeGrom, as good as he's been, is starting to do so. I mean, people already knew he was good. It's not like the guy's not you know, a Cy Young winner. Um, but he, he's just at a different level to start the season. A career-high 15 strikeouts and, and a dominant start last night. The other performance has come out of the NBA, and it's the way that Stephen Curry has played as of late, uh, You know, including a win last night that the Warriors got over the Denver Nuggets, another really good performance from Steph. I mean, the, the only game that he didn't have a great performance in recently was the, the one against Washington, the outing before that. And, and I think uh, we have some audio from – it was after that game, Anthony, where, where Steph addressed the, the stretch. that Yeah, he Wednesday night. It was a great run. It was something that had been done before, and, you know, it was going to end at some point. Now you got to start another one. So it's just a matter of, again, the next play mentality – um, trying to get rejuvenated when we go home. I think it was to do it, you know, home, road, some big games, you know, put a streak together. It was, uh, it was a special ride for sure. And never really get too hyped up on individual, you know, streaks or accolades like that but um there were some historical names that 
you know, uh, was able to pass and doing something at, at this age was was pretty special. Well, look, you're watching an all-time great um, when when you're watching Steph Curry. Uh, you know, when it's all said and done, going to be on the list of, of the best players who ever played the game and the most, uh, I'd say, I guess the word would be transcendent players who have played the game. I mean, in the context of this current season, so much of it has been about the MVP award where Nik- Nikola Jokic is now uh, the heavy favorite, I think, to win the MVP uh, just because of all the injuries. Le- LeBron was the favorite earlier this year. He's sort of my default pick going in, year in and year out, but he's missed so much time now. With that ankle injury, it's tough. Joel Embiid's missed a bunch of time. James Harden ha- has now missed a bunch of time. Um, Giannis is right there in the mix as well. And then the other guy is now Steph Curry, who do you look at, at Steph? I mean, I guess you could say he can't be the MVP because the Warriors are in ninth, but really is that kind of logic, dismissive logic, um, good to just say summarily, Oh, you can't be the MVP because your team is in ninth. Where would the team be without it? I mean, I tend to use the, the actual definition of the, the MVP to be most valuable player. And Steph has a case in the sense that the Warriors would be the worst team in the league without him. Or, I mean, if not right there, it wouldn't be worth arguing over them and the Rockets and, you know, <laughs> the T-Wolves. The They'd be the worst team in the league without him. And with him, they're a competitive team that's, that's at least going to be in the mix for the playoffs. I mean, that's a big jump. But for Steph, it goes beyond just an MVP because, I mean, you, you really are watching somebody who helped change the sport, you know, turn good shot or bad shots into good shots. Some of the the stuff that Steph attempted uh, or attempts would have gotten you benched in the past. And you've seen, you know, the evolution of the game, not just in in the number of three point shots taken, but the kind that are taken, The, the, the volume is up, but off the dribble, you know, from where they're at on the floor, and other guys have, have taken that and run with it. Damian Lillard, you know, Logo Lillard, he's, he's Logo Lillard for a reason. But Steph Curry was, was the, you know, you, you see some markers in time that, that lead to where the sport is now. I'd say the seven seconds or less Suns are one of them. You know, the, their style of play, which was almost analytically driven, but done via an, intuition rather than analytics. You know, just sort of Mike, Mike D'Antoni's intuition about the game, basic philosophies on the game. And then, you know, where, where Steph Curry, what he did and, and what he's, he's still doing right now. I mean, it, it's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch. And he's one of those guys that it's worth just noting that you get to see that in real time and appreciate it in real time. So you could talk about whether he's, he's the MVP this year or not. That doesn't really matter. I mean, really, you're watching something special when you watch Steph Curry. There's a you know a few guys in the league. Obviously, LeBron, who's in the the goat conversation, the greatest of all time in my mind. And then there's a few other you know a handful of other guys who are are truly special. And when it comes to just imprint on the game, I'm not sure outside of James if anybody's gonna be where Steph is. I mean, Kevin Durant's all time all time great player. James Harden is moving his way up the ranks. All time all time great player. Luka Doncic is in the beginning of an all time great career. You know, there there's so many guys you could mention. Um so many guys that that 
are just Giannis is back to back MVP, right? Uh, and going to be doing it for a long time. But just as far as as their place in the lore of the sport, Steph's going to be right there when it's all said and done, and he, he's close to, if not at the peak of his powers, right now. He's Robin Lundberg, and he's on CBS Sports Radio. Take it away, Robin. It is the Robin Lundberg Show here on CBS Sports Radio. Let's get back into the NFL draft. In order to do so, I'm joined by Austin Gale, Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus. And Austin, um, before we get to any of the specifics on the draft, I'm wondering if you guys over there have created a PFF grade system for rock, paper, scissors as of yet. Not yet, but it's in it's in beta right now. You know, we're working through it. Working through, you know, if you do choose rock out of the gate, does that make you an alpha male? No, it's it's absurd that we're still following just one of these traditional scouting tactics. Some people do staring contests. Some people do rock paper scissors. Some people ask do you like dogs or do you like cats. All these interesting ways to try and identify if this guy can play football. I think the NFL is still probably twenty, thirty years back. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, your your guys. Uh system is is pretty up to speed on at least a, a rational way to go <laughs> about doing some of that with that said when you look at the, this draft I guess it, it starts at three right that's hardly breaking news so what what do you think would what do you think the 49ers will do and what do you think they should do with that pick? yeah I mean what they it's hard to predict right now I think a lot of people a lot of trusted sources around the NFL believe wholeheartedly through the sources they know and through the conversations they've had in the NFL that it's going to be Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. I'm not going to pretend I've got sources inside the San Francisco 49ers front office and know better than them. Adam Schefter of ESPN, Dane Brugler of The Athletic, Lance Nierlein of NFL Media, uh, all believe it's going to be Michael Lombardi, all believe it's going to be Mac Jones. To have that many people hearing the same thing, it's very interesting to see if they go a different direction. If it's all smoke, I'm asking why. I think what they should do is take the third-best quarterback in this class, Justin Fields of Ohio State. However, I'm not hearing that's where he'll go. I'm not hearing they'll go that route. So, Mac Jones, let's start there. Uh, how do you uh, evaluate Mac Jones, regardless of whether he's taken third or not? Where, where's the, you know, what's the outlook on him as far as you're concerned? Yeah, I mean, I think if he does land in San Francisco, it's the best situation for him. It's a situation where he can lean on a very talented supporting cast, a very talented play caller, and operate an offense to an effective level. He's more accurate than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's more of an anticipatory thrower than Jimmy Garoppolo, better under pressure. He's definitely an upgrade, in my opinion, over Jimmy Garoppolo. Some people are like, oh, how much better is he than Jimmy G? Jimmy G is not an accurate quarterback. Mac Jones is the number two quarterback in this draft class in terms of accuracy on PFFs charting every single throw on throw location. Number two behind who, though? Justin Fields of Ohio State. That's why I don't get it. I don't understand why you know, Mac Jones would be considered a better prospect than Justin Fields. There's some concerns about his throwing motion, holds the ball too long. But I think the, you know, the high end, the ceiling traits that you get from Justin Fields, the 4-4 speed, the size, the athleticism, the arm count, better arm count than Mac Jones, the out-of-structure stuff, the creativity you get from Justin Fields, I think outweighs maybe what some people see as consistency from Mac Jones and, and, and dependability in Mac Jones. They still think he could have a lot of success in San Francisco. That's the problem. A lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, they're going to take Mac Jones. How terrible would that be? 
I think any quarterback that gets taken three is going to have a lot of success in 2021 because of that system, because of Kyle Shanahan, what he's been able to do with Jimmy Garoppolo, C. David Thard, Nick Mullins, et cetera. So I do think the quarterback they do take will have a lot of success. You're entering a very good situation. I'm just of the opinion that if I had to pick one quarterback to go there, assuming Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson's off the board, I would lean Justin Fields. Now, there is the conversation between Trey Lance and Mac Jones. I know some see Mac Jones as a better prospect than Trey Lance, considering that there are a lot of cons with Trey Lance. Only played one legitimate season at North Dakota State at 19 years old and still only averaged 18 dropbacks per game. And then in 2020, his one showcase game against Central Arkansas didn't look that good. There's accuracy concerns with Trey Lance. Does, does Kyle Shanahan want another quarterback with accuracy concerns? I think he wants consistency at that level. So it would be interesting to see what San Francisco does. There are reasons to like Matt Jones. He's a top 15 player on PFS draft board for a reason. I just don't like him as much as I like the other guys. You know, it's, that's interesting. Uh, Robin Lindbergh talking to Austin Gale, Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus here on CBS Sports Radio. Why do you think Fields in particular? It seems like, you know, there are, you know, it's a, I guess like legitimate red flags you could look at in, in Mac Jones's past, right? Uh, or maybe that's a little strong. But, you know, something that you could say, okay, this happened. Uh, s- same thing, you know, with other guys there may be more unknowns about, like like uh, like Lance. Why do you think it seems like a lot of the almost intangible uh, controversy or, or talk has come around Fields? I, I wish I had the answer there. In my opinion, it feels unjust. You know, why are we not talking about Zach Wilson's cons? Just because we're all locked in and the New York Jets taking him at number two, why can't we talk about his level of competition, his, his frame? He still needs to add weight. He needs to play against better competition. His game against Coastal Carolina wasn't that great. I don't understand. His accuracy is not nearly as good as Mac Jones or Justin Fields. Instead, we're bringing up that Justin Fields has epilepsy. We're bringing up that, you know, he can't process. He doesn't love the game. I mean, this is absurd. It's absurd to me. I'm done. I'm tired of it. It does not make any sense. And I think the reason for it is, here's what happened. San Francisco 49ers trade up to three. Everyone and their mother tells Adam Schefter and the reporters that they're going to go Mac Jones. So now everyone's talking themselves into why would San Francisco go Mac Jones, and then you have to beat down on the obvious QB3 in this class, Justin Fields, and talk more to why would you know, San Francisco grab Mac Jones? Because Justin Fields has epilepsy, he doesn't love the game, and he can't process. All these things come up because we have to talk ourselves out of what we feel is the obvious answer. Now, if when San Francisco traded up to three, the reports that where they were locking into Justin Fields, I think the narrative would be completely different. So, so what happens if they do take Jones, the 49ers, at three? Where do you see Fields going? See, that's, that's interesting because I do think that the league, from what we've heard, is lower on Justin Fields than maybe some of the media, specifically PFF. Obviously, PFF sees him as the number three quarterback in this class and number three overall player in this class. I'd be really, really surprised if Fields doesn't go three, that a team doesn't jump up with Atlanta, trade up with Atlanta to go grab Fields or Lance. That could be Denver at 9, New England at 15, or even Washington at 19. Then my thought process is if he gets past four, every single pick after that, you have to be in consideration. You know, Cincinnati could trade back. They're in a position to trade back. Miami with Tua Tungabailoa could opt to trade back. Detroit, who is at the second lowest win total in 2021, probably going to be the worst teams in the NFL, could obviously trade back to fill more holes. I think there are going to be teams like Denver, like New England, like Washington, even Chicago, looking at this QB class, specifically Justin Fields or Trey Lance, if they start to fall after Mac Jones at three, they want to come up and make a play because there's just not enough starting caliber quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I think, you know, there's a, there are teams that are starting Ryan Fitzpatrick and Andy Dalton next year. There are teams desperate to go grab a guy. 
Now, outside of the quarterbacks, of course, quarterbacks, there's a reason they're talked about the, the most. I, I guess the, the, the maybe the most talked about non-quarterback uh, that I've seen, at least anecdotally, has been Kyle Pitts. And the level of glowing, it's almost a competition to see who can give the most glowing evaluation of Pitts at this point. Uh, how do you guys see him? And do you think he's the possibly the best non-QB available in the draft? Yeah, we see him as you know a top five player in this class. He arguably could be the best non-quarterback in this class. I think for us, it's between him, Panay Sewell, and Jamar Chase. Those three players we feel like are the best non-quarterbacks in this class. And I think he could go as high as four to Atlanta. Because we know the first three picks are going to be QBs. And if Atlanta doesn't have a trade-down offer they like, I think they could go Kyle Pitts of Florida. I'm not going to get into how glowing of a review I could do, but I will say this. This is easily the best tight end prospect we've seen over the past five, ten years. You know, And TJ Hawkinson was drafted at eight. Kyle Pitts is double, triple of what TJ Hawkinson is capable of, capable of from a receiving and athleticism standpoint. So I do think that Kyle Pitts ultimately goes inside the top five, if not the top six picks, considering that Jamar Chase or Panay Sewell could slip into the mix or another quarterback goes inside the top five. But he doesn't get past Miami. I really don't think he gets past Miami at six. I think right now it's going to be Atlanta, Cincinnati, or Miami that takes Kyle Pitts off the board. And when we're talking about tight ends right now, you're really talking about, like, big wide receiver, right? So, yeah, so the conversation there is interesting because Kyle Pitts is a big wide receiver in the same way that Travis Kelsey is a big wide receiver or George Kittle is a big wide receiver. Darren Waller is a, is a former receiver that now plays tight end. And all three of those guys play over 100 routes on the outside and over 100 routes in the slot. All three of those guys last year. You use big tight ends, big athletic receiving tight ends, any way you can to get mismatches. Darren Waller ran a lot of routes that outside receiver last year. And I think Kyle Pitts, if you had to choose a comparison – is very close to what Darren Waller could do. He could be as good, if not better, than what Darren Waller brings to Las Vegas Raiders in the NFL very early in his career. People forget that he's only 20 years old. One of the youngest players in this class that dominated, absolutely dominated SEC competition at 19, 20 years old. That's rare. The only other people you've seen do that is Jamar Chase, who's also another good, really good player in this class. Robin Lundberg talking to Austin Gale, Associate Director of Content at Pro Football Focus here on CBS Sports Radio. Is there a particular team, I'm curious, that you know, you're, you're watching really closely that you think uh, you know, has to, to come through in this draft? Obviously, San Francisco's been the, the talk of the draft. Aside from them and what they do at three, is there, is there one team that you're most curious to see what they do? Uh, New England, I think, is the biggest one. I mean, they spent over $135 million in guaranteed money this offseason in free agency, the second most we've ever seen from a single team in any offseason in NFL history, and they don't have a quarterback of the future on, the mar on their roster. You know, Cam Newton's making largely backup money with incentive. $5 million base that could become $14 million if they go to the Super Bowl. How do you spend that much money? How do you put that much money on the books without a quarterback of the future and a legitimate plan under center? I think they're going to be one of the more aggressive teams on the phone looking to come up for either Trey Lance, who fits into that system very well with Cam Newton, or Justin Fields. I could see Bill Belichick making the play for both those guys. Uh, last thing I, I want to talk about is Trevor Lawrence for a second, just because it, you know he's been the presumptive number one pick since basically I, I first saw him play. Right? So it's it, it, it's been a minute now that that that's been the case. Um, and there was a little bit of uh, of talk this week the the feature on him in SI and you know him not being maniacally obsessed or, or whatever the case may be. Where do you value Trevor Lawrence in the terms of these, this idea of, of a generational prospect? Because I think we've gotten so used to him being this presumptive number one pick forever. It's just like, pencil that in, it's done with, and we sort of stop talking about him. Where do you see 
you know, his his ceiling, just how high a prospect is he compared to some of these other guys like Fields, like Wilson, you know, and, and, and Jones and the other QBs available? You know, in this class, I think he's in a tier by himself in terms of being the best quarterback prospect, best overall prospect in this class, just him, him by himself. And in terms of other quarterbacks in previous years, I would say he's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. Now, you say that, and people are like, oh, my gosh, you can't find a chink in his armor. Oh, my gosh, you can't say a single con. People forget Andrew Luck wasn't that good out of the gate. You know, earned like 70.0 PFF grades up until maybe the last two years before he retired. Like, it took him some time in Indianapolis to develop in what was a very outstanding quarterback and then obviously was forced to retire or decided to retire. I think Trevor Lawrence, as good as he is, as good as a prospect as he is, could have a similar developmental arc. You know, I think in Jacksonville, it's going to take some time for Urban Meyer to get his NFL chops for them to build up that offense, offensive line and receiving core. Like, don't expect Trevor Lawrence to – earn his Hall of Fame jacket as quickly as Patrick Mahomes. I'll say that. Patrick Mahomes entered one of the best situations in the NFL. Andy Reid, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, good offensive line with Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. That was a dream scenario. And Patrick Mahomes is really good. Trevor Lawrence is really good, not necessarily entering a dream scenario. We still don't know what Urban Meyer is going to do offensively. Their starting left tackle is Cam Robinson. There's a lot of opportunity in Jacksonville to get better. Don't put the Hall of Fame jacket on Trevor Lawrence out of the gate. Situation matters supporting cast matters Andrew Luck did not hit his stride until late in his NFL career I think Trevor Lawrence two three years time as Jacksonville starts to build around his talent could reach Andrew Luck levels of good however we won't see that out of the gate I don't think we will see that out of the gate Austin really appreciate your time and insight this morning enjoy the the rest of your weekend and the the draft absolutely thank you Austin Gale associate director of content at pro football focus what are you focused on when it comes to the nfl draft 855-212-4227 what the 49ers should do at three what your team is going to do how you're going to spend your nfl draft what's your nfl draft focus 855-212-4227 at robin lundberg on twitter that's r-o-b-i-n-l-u-n-d-b-e-r-g it is the robin lundberg show and it's here with you on cbs sports radio this episode is brought to you by progressive insurance whether you love true crime or comedy celebrity interviews or news you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue and guess what now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from progressive it works just the way it sounds you tell progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 